how do you define success? What's important in life? What is happiness? Success. Ambitions. Exploring ideas of perspectives and mindsets. Purposeful Pursuit Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purposeful Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host Adam Williams and today's guest, I am so excited for this episode, I cannot describe it. Today's guest, you know, having worked sort of 20 plus years and, you know, working in a variety of health, education and social care, he is a registered mental health nurse, he's a mental health lecturer at a university, but like other than all of that, he is probably one of the most authentic, knowledgeable and just like humble human beings that I've ever met. Fred Erishman, welcome to the show man, thank you for coming on. Adam, you're really welcome, gosh, I literally just, you just brought tears to my eyes. (laughs) Like, I've, I've honestly so so give to some context on this on this episode we were connected by a friend of ours Eden and we had a catch-up call last night it was going to be what 20 minute catch-up call and we ended up speaking for just over two and a half hours and it was one of those conversations and you just like apps it was the definition of a meaningful conversation so we're just going to essentially carry on that conversation today and mm. I'm so excited for it. I'm so excited. So let, let's jump in then. Fred, yeah. let's say you're at a dinner party and yeah. someone turns to you and they go, Fred, what do you do? How would you answer that question? What do I do? Well, I would probably something along the line, something along the line. Well, it depends on what time of day you're talking about, <laughs> what day of the week you're talking about. It's like, what do I do? I do all sorts of things. I, you know, I make coffee. <laughs> um, <laughs> I get dressed. I, yeah, I do. You know, what do you mean? What do you do? What's your what's what's your story? What's your what's your day to day role at the moment? How, okay. do, how do you spend your days? What I, okay? What I do for a living? Yeah. So what I what do I do to 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 bring in money is a kind of number of things. So as you said, kind of senior lecturer at um, at the University of West of England in mental health. So I kind of do, do that. Um, I also do bits and bats of um, other work. So I work for Parents Plus, which is a charity in, in Ireland kind of dedicated to putting together um, programs for groups of parents who are struggling in their relationships with their kids, um, programs for parents who are separating to help them separate without screwing up their kids, um, mental health programs for, for young people, for teenagers. So I do, I'm, I'm one of their senior trainers. Um, I'm kind of train people in facilitating groups of parents to talk together constructively you know, about, about their relationships with their kids. So I do a bit of that. Um, I do other bits of training. I do bits of consultation. Um, yeah, that, all sorts. So that's how what I... You, what would you say yeah. gets you out of bed in the morning other than your alarm clock? <laughs> Ten-year-old <laughs> daughter every time. <laughs> Totally. It's, 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 it's what I do everything for. It's, it's, it's like both of my kids. I'm very lucky. I've got, I've got two daughters. One, my eldest is 32. Uh, and my youngest is 10. Um, so I had a bit of a gap in being a parent. And when I kind of think about that gap, um, my kind of life 
just didn't really seem to have much of a point to it really it was you know and then you know when when we had our you know my second child it was like boom locked back in again oh this is what i'm doing this for this this person here the future because you know my 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 youngest or my eldest is, is 32 you know is in that future now and and living her life and getting on with it and my 10 year old is in their childhood and is going to be going to be a, an adult human one day so yeah she gets me out of bed in the morning like conceptually and actually literally nice nice so yeah. let, let's delve into so one of the things that we discussed in in depth last night was you know a lot of things around mental health around yeah. the, the neuroscience of the brain you've done a lot of talks on like the actual brain how it works and you call it like uh, the brain being like a social organ which we'll come on to later but yeah. let's just let's just take it back a step like a mental health nurse you know working in in this this sort of time at the moment with the pandemic everything that's going on you know it's it's a hard time for all you know it's affecting everyone in in so many ways you know if you were to describe what mental health was to someone in the pub what would you say okay right okay describing mental health to someone in a pub that's great because there's like lots of descriptions that professionals will have that will have long complex words and really deep, deep and mysterious kind of concepts and what have you. Put really, really simply, Adam, mental health is something you either have enough of or not enough of. Okay. And in life, that that that's that's um, dynamic, that changes. So there have been times in my life where I've had more than enough mental health, like Bring on life. Show it to me now. Come on, I'm going to take it down. And there's been other times where I've just like really not enough and I'm on my face. You know, and I'm just kind of thinking about the times when I was in active addiction. You know, it was like seriously not enough mental health at all. So um, and it's like the analogy I like to use is like imagine life's a journey. No one's ever come up with that one before, have they? There's a new idea. Life's like a journey. There might even be a song in it. Um, and so. And, you know, and it's either like an intentional journey, you know, so I am going to go from Bristol to Glasgow. That's what I'm going to do. Or it's what I call an emergent journey, which is like, I'm going to go traveling and I'm just going to see what happens. OK, so you've got and they're not mutually exclusive. You can start off on an intentional journey and it be, can become emergent or you might then go traveling, have an emergent journey and suddenly get really intentional. Doesn't matter. It's a journey. OK. And um, you need to prepare for the journey. So say you're going to go on the journey. I haven't come up with an environmentally sound analogy that works at the moment. So we'll just say it's a car. All right. And it's not an electric car yet. So I'm still not I'm still not clear about whether electric cars are going to save the planet or not. That lithium. Oh, dear. Sorry. That's a side ramble. Um, so we'll just go old school. It's a car. So you're going to drive a long way. Right. So the first thing you need to, to do is to make sure you don't have petrol in the car. OK. You need to be thinking about, OK, am I going to run out of petrol? Yeah. So where are the petrol stations? Yeah. Are you kind of following this? It's like, OK, I'm going to go on this journey. My, my mental health is going to go down on this on this journey because that's what happens. Uh, where are the petrol stations? How am, how am I going to keep it topped up? Um, what am I going to do if there's a roadblock? What am I going to do when I'm in a traffic jam? So when you go on journeys, unexpected things do happen where you end up using more fuel than you expected. So be prepared. 
Yeah, this kind of thing about welcome to your life, shit will happen. Welcome to your journey. It's going to go wrong somewhere. So it's about preparation. It's accepting and preparing. And then it's kind of thinking about, okay, your vehicle. What's really important about cars? Well, you can jump in your car. And if you're like me, never, never, ever check the oil, never, ever check the water, never check the tire pressure. Then it breaks and it's like, I hate cars. And my mechanics going, yeah, I haven't seen you for five years. <laughs> yeah, right. A regular service. Yeah, just know your car. So that's kind of like the analogy is like, know yourself, know your own vehicle, get to know how you work. Yeah, and make sure that you're fit for purpose for the journey of your life. Make sure you know where your own personal mental health petrol stations are. Make sure that you know when you're on life's journeys, which ones are more likely to use up petrol than others. So you asked me what mental health was, and I've gone rambling on about petrol and cars, but hopefully you can see the relationship between the two. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. It is, yeah. it, it's, um, it's quite, a, quite a good analogy, actually. I think that's something that I, I can personally picture as well. I'm sure someone in the pub can, can picture that as well. Oh, um, just, yeah. What yeah. would you say is, um, what's a, a healthy mental health then? Like, how, how can we top up that mental health and top up that fuel tank? Well, see, that's the great thing, you see, because that depends on the individual person. It, de it depends on their individual vehicle. So there are these broad principles. So all vehicles need regular servicing. They need regular looking after. You know, they need to have enough fuel in them to be able to do the job they're designed to do. So you know, that, that's kind of generic. You know, people say, look after yourself. OK, broad brushstroke. How? Oh, well, that depends on you. That depends on, you know, what, what, what areas of life are you particular fra particularly fragile around, for example? Yeah, what areas of life really make you feel excited? What areas of life really inspire you and fill you with confidence and energy so that when you get to the bits where you're feeling fragile, you've got some mental health in there. You've got, you've got those kind of resources that we talked about at the very beginning. So that's, it's... It's individual. What is good mental health is very individual. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Get to know yourself like you get to know your car. You know, just, I mean, some people do just get a car and then they drive it into the ground and then the mechanic and suddenly fork it, they're forking out half the price of the car to get the car fixed <laughs> that they didn't look after in the first place. It's like that. It's just like get to know what makes yourself tick. And when things start to go wrong, rather than thinking there's something wrong with me, there's nothing wrong with you. There's really nothing wrong with you at all. You just need you just need some servicing. You need some looking after. You, you might be running out of petrol. What's your personal mental health petrol station? Actually, Adam, let me ask you, what's your personal mental health petrol station when you're running low on mental health? Because that's where your life journey's going. Like, what's the petrol station look like? What do you what do you top up with? Yeah, great, great question. I, I mean, for me, like exercise, I know it sounds really basic, but like for me, not just exercise, but like getting the like really basics right. So like hydration. I know if I if I'm not hydrated, like my mental health declines rapidly. Like I wake uh, up and I start okay. to self-sabotage. I'll like I'll doubt my ability. I can't think clear. Hydrate, yeah. that goes away. Make sure I'm then eating healthy. 
Um, but yeah, exercise, I think, I think's huge for, for yeah. topping up that, that fuel tank of, of mental health. Um, I know that's quite like a basic answer, but I think if you don't well, have no, those, it, those basics, right, then, yeah, and, you know, something we'll go on to speak about later in and like, like meditation and mindfulness, that for me is, is certainly something that, that tops it up. I mean, to, to start your day and end your day, like I do with meditation, it is just that like, Topping up the fuel tank, yeah. You're checking yeah. the you're checking the the car to, to use yeah, your analogy yeah. to make sure totally. it's all it's all set totally. up. <laughs> so that's a it's great. So you're you know so you are simultaneously keeping your car serviced, keeping things oiled, yeah, and you've got a way of topping up the fuel tank really really regularly. So you top up the fuel tank and you do regular you do regular maintenance, and that's what you do. Yeah, some people sit in there going, exercise, I hate exercise. Don't, great, don't start with exercise then. That's the key thing. Me, it's not exercise. Me, it's having my fingers on a piano keyboard. That's, yeah, nice. That's, nice. That is where I get my top up of mental health. If I can get my fingers onto a piano and play some stuff, then it just gives me that extra amount of petrol that I need to stop the tank from running dry and keep me going until I've got something longer term in place. I'm going to address whatever it is that's going on with this roadblock or this detour or this left turn I took when I should have taken a right turn because that's a bigger project. But I'll have enough petrol to get me through that bit. Yeah, it's interesting. How do you think isolation is going to be affecting people? You know, you mentioned the brain is, is a social auction. If you take away the, the social element, yeah. isolation, how, how is that going to be affecting people yeah. from your perspective, at least? Yeah, we're, we're in. Well, we're, so, yeah, I think um, potentially we're in trouble unless we harness our ingenuity and creativity. Um, because, yeah, basically the, the brain, the brain is like a social organ, you know, like, your kidneys don't need anybody else's kidneys to be your kidneys, right? When you were born, you were born with little kidneys and they grew into grown-up sized kidneys. So that's that. Whereas the brain, you know, did you know when you were born, you were born with actually roughly under, under half of a, of a fully formed brain. The brain is like the only organ in the body that is like a work in progress and how it grows is in response to other brains around it so and that happens to the whole of life in fact it's a oh, louis cosolino lovely lovely way of describing it the brain is like this living sculpture of your life experience and it's constantly in progress it's constantly growing and rewiring and learning from the moment we're born all the way through till we're not alive anymore and we need other people around us for us, for our brains to kind of sculpt themselves and for us to participate actively in the sculpting of our own brains, which is something I'm really interested in. It's like, because your brain's going to be sculpted one way or the other, you know, participate actively in the, pro actively in the process. So when you get to a, a situation where we can't, my brain can't be around other people's brains. Yeah, there's Houston, we have a problem. Um, and so, and... It's an opportunity to go, right, how am I going to get around this? Human beings, we've done really well because, because the brain is constantly rewiring and, re, and, and remoulding itself. There's that little window to come up with an idea, to come up with a solution for a problem. So while the situation that we're in is like no end of difficult, no end of stressful, on the one hand, 
it presents us with an opportunity to learn how to survive being in a situation like this. The way I kind of see it is like 2020 was a re rehearsal for 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's like some people are like, oh, is this still going on? It's like, what do you mean is this still going on? It's like, of course, it's because the calendar year changed. <laughs> Doesn't mean the global no, pandemic like, disappears. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and it's like this started last year in March. And um, and there are, I've, I've noticed there are, in fact, it was interesting. So uh, there was a, a group of people that I was supporting last year who were all working from home. And um, I'd meet with them I think every fortnight. Um, and just have conversations with them that would help them build their connection with each other and maintain that connection. Um, and their manager got in touch and said, you know, they're working from home again. And um, would you would you be happy to, to do the same thing again? I'm like, yeah, sure. So this person passed this on to their PA and said, look, get it set up. And um, the PA said, what have you got in your diary? And I said, I've got that there. And said, okay, I'll get in touch with the team. And it was so great. The PA came back and said, do you know what? They're all in good shape. They're all doing really, really well. You're not needed. And I'll, boom, result. It was just like, ah, see, they showed up to the rehearsal. They showed up to the rehearsal. They learned and they're in this situa situation again. And they're drawing from what they learned last year. They're actively pulling, pulling on those resources. So... Wouldn't it be great if we lived in a world where we didn't need mental health nurses and psychiatrists and psychologists and stuff like that? Because actually people have the resources to navigate ourselves through stuff like this and the rest, the stuff that life throws at us. What resources are you talking about? What, uh, what resources do we need to, to navigate ourselves through this abyss of life? Let's be honest, like life isn't easy. It's, it's not fun. Like there, there's, no, there's no guide book that tells you how to, to live life that it does throw challenges at you what's what's some of the fundamental resources that we can use to navigate through this thing called life all depends on the individual you know you're absolutely right when we get born we get born with this little note welcome to your life shit will happen good luck with that <laughs> basically and ain't that the truth it's like yeah that's that's like yeah, and that's not to be dismissive of the shit that will happen. Um, it's just trying to lean into it. It's just trying to go, okay, this is this is just part of the deal. This is, um, and I, you know, I, I guess I, could, I claim the right to have that conversation because of my own experience of my own suffering. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a recovering addict. I've struggled for years with addiction and depression and anxiety just for as long as I can remember and you know here I am today a senior lecturer in mental health nursing being asked questions like this <laughs> you know and it's like it's almost like how did you do that it's like oh, I don't know I found my way through it I just kind of yeah I found uh, somehow I managed to find my way through it what resources well for me the resources of it's a feeling inside myself of like I can do this. I can do this now because I've already done something like it in the past. I've got like a memory bank of experiences of having overcome and learned from just actually really very, very painful things. So I, I guess that's what I mean by resources. 
You know, it's not like I'm going to go to the mental health resources shop and I'm going to go, I'll have some of that, please. Uh, that's actually what drug addiction is. It's like, I know, I'm going to take that because that'll help me with feeling really, really rubbish about what's happened to me. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't actually work like that. It, it requires a little bit of legwork. It requires you know, a little bit of something from me rather than just like, I'll take that and, I'll, and, and I, then I can navigate my way through my life. It didn't, it didn't pan out didn't pan out like that so resources i don't know hopefulness um compassion um empathy um i don't know the the ability to be with it when it really really hurts um what do you mean be and, with it when it hurts oh yeah great question what do i mean by be with it when it really hurts like lean into it Accept yeah, it. it's, it's, it's kind of almost, like... almost surrender to what it is, surrender to that divine of, of that's it is what it is. You can't change that. It's it's something it's that. something like it's something like that. It's something like, you know, um when you've got an itch, there's a temptation to scratch the itch. <laughs> as I as I itch my head. <laughs> yeah, as as you you said yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like it's it's that, I guess. It's like, you know, it's human suffering is not like an itch. But that's the best I can come, come up with in, in terms of a metaphor. It's like if you've got an itch, you automatically want to scratch it. You know, if you're suffering, you automatically want the suffering to stop. It's kind of like that's completely valid. Um, but the truth, my experience is that actually the volume and intensity of my suffering was never at the same pitch all the time. It was up and it was down. And you know what? Sometimes I wasn't actually suffering. That was the key bit. When I, when I kind of learned a certain skill set and settled into that, I realized, oh, actually, in this particular moment, I'm not suffering at all. Oh, blimey. That was just like a miraculous realization. I'd kind of somehow hypnotized myself into this idea that my life was really, really rubbish. How do, you, how do you take a step back from that then? Like, if you've got this idea that... Well, not even an idea, but if, if you understand that, that life is, is going to throw some, some hardships at you how, can you, how can people take a step back and, and acknowledge it for what it is and understand yeah. that it might not all be that bad now? It might be bad on the face of it, but is there some positives? Is there some opportunities that can come from this? How can people step back? Well, when I, again, I can only really speak to my own experience and say, okay, this is you know, this is what I did. This is what worked for me. This is not some universal panacea. And for me, the first, the first step in that, of, of taking a step back was actually realizing that I was screwed. It was really <laughs> just realizing I'm up shit creek without a paddle and I need to stop pretending that I'm not. That, and, and then from there, it's like, okay, that, and then to be willing and open because it's like, you know, I was homeless at 23. I was utterly screwed. There was nowhere else for me to go. So that was it. Game over, Frederick. So are you, so are you willing to listen to what someone else has to say? It's like, well, so I haven't got anything else. Yeah, sure. Okay. I love your honesty and your authenticity in this. It's like, it's, it's, it's refreshing to see. Well, like from that story, obviously we, we delved into it a lot last night, but like yeah. what's, 
the biggest learning that you've taken from that? We mentioned it earlier, like you kind of have to go through some level of pain to then gauge or, or change your perspective on, on what life is and and, and almost understand that, that life is always going to be shit or there is, there's always going to be negative experiences. Having gone through that yourself at such an early age, like what's that, what's that fundamental foundational learning that you've taken from that? Foundational learning from, from where I'm sitting now is looking at those experiences and realizing at the time they were just dreadful, right? But with perspective, I look back and go, oh my God, they were my teachers. They were like, they brought me the most amazing gifts, but I really had to, you know, what I was faced with a big pile of, basically what looked like a big pile of pig shit. I had to dive in and look for the diamond that was in there. And there was the diamond in there. There, de there was definitely, but it was being willing, just like, okay, what's the learning here for me? You know, and as each one came along and another one came along and now I'm 58, you know, and my biggest problem at the mo moment is my house is in a mess because we're on a loft conversion. Right. And it's like there are days where I'm just pulling what hair I've got. I'm pulling it out. And then I have a word with myself and it's like, seriously, today, hey, that's fantastic. What a great problem to have. <laughs> You've got a house. <laughs> To have a loft conversion in, to have the mess in, well done, you've arrived. You know, that kind of perspective and looking back and going, oh my God, you know, I even 10 years ago, that would have probably just broken me in pieces. It's really challenging at the moment, having a, you know, something like a loft conversion done in the middle of a pandemic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In a dinghy in the Mediterranean, fleeing some god awful atrocity and trying to get to somewhere where I don't know where it is, but it, it's probably going to be safer from what I'm running away from. I haven't got any of that shit going on. So that, that kind of foundational learning there, it's like whatever, whatever problem I'm now faced with brings with it a gift. If I, if I can get myself to see in it that way. Yeah. How can... I totally agree. I totally agree. I, I, I subscribe to the idea that within within this like universe that we live in, like there, there's always balance. It's kind of how things work. There is balance in everything. And for every negative experience, there is the equal amount of positive or opportunities that can come out of that. How can people find that positive? How can people find the opportunity? Because yes, it's it's easy for, for us to talk about now, having been there and gone through it. But what what happens if you haven't been through that that pain yet, or you're going through that pain? How can you find the positives? Like what what actual like steps can you take within your day to to start acknowledging the positives well, that, that are there naturally yeah. in life? I was listening to the words that, that, that you were using, like positive and negative. And already, you know, in, in using that language, we all we put a judgment on the thing that's happening. It's mm. like it's a positive thing or it's a negative thing. Actually, it's just a thing. In reality, it's just a thing that's happening. It's not positive. It's not negative. It's just a thing that's happening. You know, what would a woodlouse have to say about it? You know, like for a woodlouse, it's not even a thing. You know, what would a, I don't know, what would a, what would a, an oak tree have to say about it? 
nothing. They just will crack on being an oak tree. Whereas humans, we have this thing where we kind of go, I like that and I don't like that. I want this, but I don't want that. It's kind of somehow from the moment we pop out, we pop out into this kind of this framework of what the world is and what life is. And it's like life is full of good stuff and life is full of bad stuff. And you want lots of the good stuff and you want none of the bad stuff. Avoid the bad stuff. Go for the good stuff. Get on with it. So what happens when you run across what's being called the bad stuff? Oh, hang on a minute. This is bad stuff. I'm not supposed to be having bad stuff. Shit. 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 Make it go away. Stop. 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 <laughs> and it's like, okay, back up, back up, back up, back up. You've got your life. Things will happen. Things will happen. They'll either be great things or they'll be rubbish things. And, you know, being in a dinghy in the Mediterranean is just like multi-Olympic gold medal winning rubbish things, isn't it? You know, and for some people, that is actually what their life is. And I kind of think, God, how, do they, how the hell do they survive that? How do they do that? I bet they don't survive it by sitting in a dinghy going, where's my fucking television? Where's got, who's got the remote control? I'm fucking, why is there no food here? This is really shit, for fuck's sake. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, I just realised, like, oh my days, yeah, oh my good. days, I'm just suddenly like, I'm supposed to be a professional, I'm supposed to be a sensible human, I'm like, bleh. So, um, but, but do you see what I'm getting at? It's like, you know, there are, there are humans in the, just in the most appalling of circumstances, having to get through and having to get by. And I'm just like, okay, how do you do that? I met, met a guy oh, years ago in Bristol. Uh, my wife and I got involved in a project that was um, mentoring people who were applying for refugee status. And the role of the mentor was basically to be a person with citizenship in this country, being alongside these people and kind of saying, welcome to my country. It's really lovely to have you here. How can I help? In a nutshell. So I got to hang out with this young guy from um, Syria, and, um, a Syrian Kurdish guy um, who managed to escape um, and ended up in a lorry and going through Germany or something and ended up in this country. Um, and he really, really wanted to settle and he really wanted to polish up on his English. He was like, yeah, I can help with the polish polishing up on the English thing. We can do that. Um, and he showed me something. He showed me some paperwork which was a transcript of his interview with some, um, some home office official. Um, and it was just awful. It, it just honestly, Adam, I just, even now I think, God, what this guy had done to him, you have no idea, like the torture that he went through. And so I read this and I could see him watching me hawk-like. <laughs> And I had kind of tears coming down my eyes. It's like, what am I going to do? It's just like, wow. And there he was, you know, getting up in the morning, getting through his day. He'd somehow managed to escape the torture and make his way to this country and get to the point where he was sat in a room with yours truly, poor fella. Just like, you know, just how on earth? Yeah. And, we had these just extraordinary conversations just around that. Like, mate, how did you how did you manage to 
hold yourself together? How did you manage resilience? Isn't it? It's resilience well, to keep going well, through that. It's funny, you know, because that word resilience, I'm kind of like, I'm done with it already. Because <laughs> it, well, it's just become like, oh yeah, resilience. And it's like, it doesn't even begin to touch the size of what this. What, what, what does resilience mean to you? <sighs> is, there, is there other words that, yeah, what, 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 no, tell, yeah, tell, me, tell me more? It's funny. Well, it's just, you know, you'll have gotten a bit about language. You know, I'm kind of like, Lang- language is something that really interests me um, because it's a large chunk of how we humans communicate with each other. It's been, you know, it's, it's had a huge, huge impact on how we've been able to kind of go the way that we've gone. And so when I hear the word resilience, it's just kind of like, it's just like, I couldn't, I, I could not do respect to what this man has achieved by boiling it down to one word resilience you know it's just like it doesn't just doesn't sit sit nicely with me and um and that manages to navigate their way through their suffering get themselves out of bed in the morning if they've got a bed to sleep in and if they don't you know pack up what they got from that shop doorway and put it into a bag and go wherever it is they go to do what they got to do like seriously like anybody who's able to do that and get from one end of the day to the next and the next and the next and the next and people say it's resilience it's like okay call it that if you want but seriously isn't it something more rich something some kind of language that really honors what it is that we humans do when we meet suffering is um Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah, I've Come heard. across it. Not, not read it, but I heard of it. It's seriously, it's like if you know, if you're not a reading person, if you're a listening person, it will be on audiobooks. Victor Frankl really nails it. He spent a chunk of his life in a concentration camp, right? And came out the other side. And he tells stories about what went on in there. And it was the little things the little kindnesses, the little gestures, human gestures that people made to each other that that made that suffering survivable. It wasn't big, grand, you know, nobody was going on a, nobody was going to be going on a weekend retreat somewhere to inquire into their suffering. They were in a bloody concentration camp. They, you know, they didn't, they weren't going to be seeing a psychotherapist or a mentor or a coach or something. It's like, God, you're in a concentration, that's fucked up. And yet people managed to come out the other side and somehow engage with life afterwards. It's worth reading what Viktor Frankl has to say. And, and that's, so that's what I mean, really. It's like, so they were resilient then. No, 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 no. There's something much more magical, I think, that happens in us human beings when we meet whatever suffering it is that we have to meet. And I think that speaks to actually who we are and what we are as a species like literally we have no idea a little story yeah go on. okay around yeah yeah so my youngest daughter okay we're driving back uh from somewhere or other and she starts with dad and it's like the moment i hear that dad, it's like oh god here we go <laughs> can i lend some can you give me or something or something or something or or something else just really enriching dad yeah what's up you know how everything in nature has got its job and it's like okay what what, what tell me more what, what, what are you saying so she said well you know like bees 
you know, they need the nectar from the flower. So they go and take the nectar. But while they're doing it, they give a thing back. They do a thing. And it was like, yeah, what else? So we went round various flora and, and fauna. You know, she's a natural, she thinks ecologically, naturally. She understands, you know, that, that everything in nature has to pull its weight, right? That's kind of where we got to. It's like, okay, but there's a question there, isn't there? And she went, yeah, what's your question? So what are people for then, Dad? Good like, question. bang, what a straight question. away. Just like, just unbelievable question is like, yeah. So how are we pulling our weight then? as part of, because we are part of the diversity of nature. I, well, I don't even believe, it's not, not actually a belief, it's a fact. We're an organic life form like all the other organic life forms, but somehow, somewhere along the line, that just got lost somewhere, you know? And at the risk of sounding like some unreconstructed old hippie, we are actually, biologically, in reality, part of the natural world we're a species we've even got a species name like all the others ours is homo sapiens see there's all sorts of different species with odd latin sounding well they are actually latin sound like they are latin you know and we got our own homo sapiens right so given that everything else in the natural world kind of pulls its weight so what are we doing then exactly that was her question so we had this really extraordinary conversation. I don't know if it's so what do you think people are for? And she went and quiet. And then she started talking about um, wondering, not wondering as I wonder, but looking in wonderment at things like appreciation. Yeah, wow. You know, we're there to appreciate. Yeah, we're there to appreciate. We're there to look after. We're there to kind of protect and take care of it all. But starting with the wonderment, you know, and having wondered at just how amazing it all is, just like, yeah, we just like, what are we for? Yeah, we need to protect this. We need to take care of this. And yeah, that that conversation, like she was eight. I mean, she's 10 that's, now. That's, that's a crazy, one, it's a crazy question to ask. But, but two, like, she's almost hit the nail on the head for like, what are people? I wouldn't know how to answer that question. But I think <laughs> just that, that answer of like wonderment, that, that's powerful, man. That is very powerful. It's totally, totally. You mentioned, you know, like, and, look after this. Well, we are here to, to look after to nature. What did you mean by this? We're here to, to, to wonder at what? To, to look after? What, what is it? Or this, it's, um, how, can I, how can I put my finger on it? Okay, I think it's an ancient Sufi, I don't know if it's a poem or a proverb. And, you know, I'm not, describing it 100% accurate I'm kind of really dredging it up from the depths of my 58 year old <laughs> brain that's been battered by all kinds of stuff but it's something along the lines of life sleeps in the mineral it awakens in the plant it moves in the animal and it becomes aware of its own beauty in the human and that kind of collection of words really wraps up my answer to your question is life is all there and when it comes to us we're the part of life that goes looks at itself and goes god you're really beautiful yeah fucking and, fucking right and you know it's like oh fred right he's an old hippie then well okay guilty as convicted then fair enough <laughs> fair enough. but actually you know a sunset it's like i don't know you, i could you could do a study you could take I don't know, X number of people wheel them out in front of a glorious sunset and ask them, 
would you make of that then? Beautiful or not? How many of them would go, yeah, that's really beautiful? That's, see, that, that really fascinates me. Like, why? Why do people go to beauty spots? Right? Why do people go walking on Dartmoor? Why do people go walking in the woods? Why is gardening the premier top hobby? It is. I do like a bit of gardening. <laughs> don't have much you know I mean? of a garden. But like... How come? How come gardening? Like, why are garden centres? <laughs> why is the garden centre a thing? That because like whatever we're doing in our day-to-day life that we think is so incredibly important that we've like been totally, totally, totally conditioned to believe is so incredibly important. You know, like um, the square on the hypotenuse is the sum of the square of the other two sides and on, on an isosceles triangle. I learned that as a kid. Someone told me as a child, you know, sit up, listen to this stuff, memorize it, all of it. So that's what I did at school. And I can report back from the front lines of being 58. There is no event in my life yet, right, where knowing that the square on the hypotenuse, the sum of the square of the other two sides in an isosceles triangle has been the game changer in any situation in my life. It hasn't happened yet. I'm waiting with bated breath. Come on, come on life, throw me some crap so I can wheel that out that knowledge and, and, and my life problems gone away. It's like, no. No, I spent years in school learning all that stuff and counted my life and fell flat on my face. Right. And I think that kind of knowing, knowing who I am, not like in a, you know, who am I, man? But like really being able to reflect on myself as a member of Homo sapiens and kind of see, like, oh, I am part of the natural order of things. Actually, I am part of all of that just gives me a huge sense of reassurance. It just gives me a huge sense of, well, you know, I go all David Attenborough, basically. Just watch David Attenborough and, and, and see, uh, hear, he, well, he's so enthusiastic, isn't he? It's just like he speaks with such love and awe about his subjects. And then wouldn't it be amazing if we spoke about ourselves in the same way because we're part of the same stuff that David Attenborough has been doing his documentaries on forever. Awe and wonder. And we've got the capacity to do that, but we don't. Enough. Let's talk about, let's talk about consciousness. We're going to delve into right. that because I think it, it, it does relate to a lot of what we're, we're talking about. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a, a, quite a, probably quite a difficult question, but like, what's your understanding of, of human consciousness? Again, you know, language, it's a word, isn't it? Okay, so my understanding of consciousness is, is like based around um, the, the understanding from neuroscience that, um, and I don't know what the exact figure is, it's something like oh, a little over 90% of what we do We've no idea we're doing it. So when you picked up your cup there and took a little sip, you know, you do, you weren't measuring how far away the cup was from your lips and the amount of body weight that you would need to use in order to counterbalance the weight of the, is it coffee or tea, by the way? Tea. 
tea. Right. Can't, to can't have coffee ballad. at this late. <laughs> yeah, totally. You don't need coffee, mate. You, you just stay away from coffee. <laughs> you know, but how much body weight would you need to can to balance the weight of the tea in the cup? And then, you know, the trajectory to your lips and how much tilt would you need in order for the tea to enter efficient? You didn't think any of it, did you? You didn't even think about picking up the tea. You just reached out, picked up the tea and put it to your mouth, all under the radar. And that's a tiny, like a minute fragment of what's going on in you and me and everyone else, like just totally under the radar. Not just a little, I think it's 92% or something. So what's this other eight or 10% then? What's that? Okay, that's what I understand to be consciousness. Yeah. So if I said to, okay, if I said to your listener, all right, then listener, I'd like to invite you to do something, all right? So notice, notice where your body meets whatever it is that you're sitting or lying on right now. Just notice that for a minute. Just put your attention on that. Okay, that was your consciousness being used consciously. Yeah, I invited you to put your attention. So that's what I see consciousness as. It's like, um, I don't know, like the, the light out of the lighthouse, if you like. It's a very narrow beam. It's only that many percent, but by God, it's powerful, isn't it? Lighthouse, like bloody hell, that light really shines. Not much of it, but hell's teeth. <laughs> yeah, when you use it, boom, like that. So that's what I understand consciousness to be, is this capacity for us in any given moment to choose where we put our attention. Act, yeah, actually, to, to understand that we have got attention, I don't know about you, but I spend large chunks of my life sleepwalking, to be honest, from one thing to the next, constantly. And, you know, that, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's like, it's not a crime. It's not a sin. It's just, maybe it's not very helpful. Maybe I'm missing out on my potential. Maybe there's a capacity that I have that if I actually harnessed it and practiced choosing where I put my attention that could that could be really useful to me and um having had a go I can report back bloody hell that is really useful actually really really useful so for example go for a walk in the woods so we're in the middle of this kind of shit fest that's going on here um I've got um vulnerable parents they're kind of they're really you know really ancient and they, you know, they just really struggling with a lockdown thing. So I pop over and they happen to live near woodland. So anything needs doing, you know, fetching, carrying, stuff like that. And, and seeing their granddaughter and the dog just lifts, even if it's only waving through the window, you can see the smiles on their faces. It's really good. And then we'll go for a walk in the woods. Now I could go for a walk in the woods with the daughter and the dog and be up here in my head wondering about, okay, how are we going to be dealing with the thing that's going on in the roof? What colour are we going to be painting the new rooms? I wonder what the view is going to be looking like. You're like, oh my God, the house opposite is just, rattle, 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 rattle in my head, okay? And be completely unconscious of what's going on in the moment that I'm in the woods with my daughter and the dog. Or I could do a bit of heavy lifting and I'm going to park all that stuff in my head over there and I'm just going to be in my five senses in this particular moment. Like, I'm going to be looking at this little person here. I'm going to be looking at that little dog. Because the little person is sure as hell just looking in wonderment. Uh, she's really into photography at the moment. And that's where I've kind of picked this up from. It's like, what are you looking at? What? Dad, 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 can I have your camera? Yeah, sure. She, take, she takes my phone 
and she's suddenly she's lying on her back, like with a thing pointed up. Like, what? What's going on? It? Or she's lying on her front. Or she had it. Oh, I was bricking it. She had my phone right next to a stream. She said, Don't worry, Dad. I won't drop it. <laughs> it's just like, ooh, famous last words. But then she shows me the pictures. And I'm just like, how did you know that was there? Well, she knew that was there because she's present. She looked. She looked. She, she yeah, was able yeah. to look because she was present she, in the moment. She's present. She's just being there in the woods, just being present to what's going on in the woods. And that's all. That's where she is. She isn't kind of worrying about what's going to be happening in an hour's time or next week or kind of fretting, fretting over what happened yesterday or 10 minutes ago. It's like, yay, I'm in the woods with my dad and Loki. This is this is amazing. And I can take photographs and it's lovely. It's like, OK, I'll try a slice of that. Wow. So when I talk about resources, it's like that, that's the kind of thing I'm getting at is like if I notice and stay with that moment rather than just kind of like, you know, meh, moving on, then something happens in my brain. And um, who is it? Rick Hansen. He's a, he's a neuropsychologist. He says it really nicely. He says the brain is like Velcro for um, what he, so negative, what he means by negative is experiences that cause suffering. Yeah, the brain is like Velcro for painful things. And it's like Teflon for beneficial things, stuff that bring us joy, stuff that brings us healing. And um, anything that comes along that's like difficult or challenging, the brain will have it and it'll lock it and encode it and stick it into the limbic system because actually it's trying to stop us from being something lunch. But there's a problem right there, isn't there? Nobody's, nobody's told the amygdala and that bit of the brain that does all that stuff. It's like the war's over, it's done. You're not anybody's lunch. It's okay, I'm not anybody's lunch. Can you leave me alone now <laughs> so I can, you know, really gather up the amazing stuff that's under my nose? And it goes back to that Viktor Frankl piece. It's like, it was like, that was just the mother of all unbelievably horrible, horrible, horrible scenarios to be in. And what he said was, it was the little moments. It was no, being open to them and having them when they come along and absorbing them and letting them in. That was his golden key to his sanity. It's like, okay. But how many people know that? That's what puzzles me. Like glorious, glorious wisdom. It's like, you know, how do, Fred, how do people navigate through the pandemic? You know, okay, bring on a list of strategies. <laughs> it, was a, yeah. it was a hard question. <laughs> it's just like, oh. It's like, if I hear another list of 10 strategies for how to, it's like, well, thank you. It's well-meaning, I know, but it actually, no. Because <laughs> I, I remember from back in the day when I was learning my art as a, as a mental health practitioner, you know, being, what should I do? Have you tried? Yeah, try that, didn't work. Okay, what about this? Yeah, try that, didn't work. That's the problem there. <laughs> what should I do? Have you tried? Didn't work. Okay, have you tried that? No. Okay, go and give it a go. See you next week. How did it go? I tried it. It didn't bloody work. <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't. It couldn't because it, it, you know, I've given this other person an idea coming from my own experience of my life and life. I couldn't, how do I know what would work for that person? The key bit I learned along the way was to learn how to ask them questions that would help them unlock their own answers to 
that question. What am I going to do here? Okay, good question. Can I ask you a question? And then we're off and we're running. You know, for example, imagine, imagine you woke up, I don't know, sometime like next week. And this thing that's been really doing your head in somehow, somehow it's not doing your head in quite, quite as much. Yeah. Something shifted. It's the first thing that you would notice right there straight away, just by saying, imagine it's not like, it's not an answer. It's just like, imagine. Yeah. Okay. Somehow, somehow this thing, just somehow, we don't know how, but somehow, what would you notice? And what the person then has to do is like, answer that question create the answer to that question because it's not like asking a question what's your name oh yeah i know what that is where do you live oh yeah i know what that is yeah how old are you yeah i know what that is what's your favorite band mm -mm -mm. oh yeah i know what that is this one here imagine you suddenly found yourself somehow able to deal with this do you think you might notice and then because they don't know the answer, they have to kind of really dig, dig around inside and that the brain is then starting to wire itself up into the possibility of something that may or may not come to be. But there's like a physical experience that goes with it, you know, when having that imagining like, oh, and I've asked various versions of that sort of question and, and other sorts of questions so many times, Adam, so many times and have just been amazed at like what people come up with they might start with oh i don't know it's okay there's no rush and then just and then the silence is code for shut up fred i'm thinking of the answer to that bloody question yeah no problem take your time i think um often when you ask someone that question the answer can be quite simple. Like what's the, what's the first thing you notice of somehow your life was exactly, you woke up and your life was exactly how you wanted it to be. What was the first thing you notice? It's like, well, when you, when you wake up, you know, what is that? And sometimes it's not even anything that, that's that big. Well, I wake up and I, I brush my teeth. I, I have a shower and you know, that problem's not there anymore, but it's like, okay. Well, what is that problem then? You know, I understand what that is and you know I think Kat Taylor one of your friends from from the University of West of England as well she ah, asked that question and like she yeah. she said that on the podcast as well and it blew my mind and you know she said ah. that often the answers that people give for what they're noticed isn't even big things it's like they'd wake up and they'd feel slightly more refreshed or they'd, they'd wake up and they'd feel yeah. excited for the day and I was like wow like sometimes yeah. it almost seems yeah. that we have the, the power to to decide those things like just because the problem's there doesn't take the power away from the present moment from when we wake up. We can still have that morning to ourselves. We can still have that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So look, there's a, so there is, you know, I break my own, my own earlier stated statement around, you know, mental health, physical health. Mm, I'm not quite sure about the equivalence between the two. That said, okay. That said the body generally speaking, can be relied upon to heal itself, given the right conditions. Agreed? It's like you break your arm. It's OK. Given the right conditions, so on and so forth, that break will heal. You cut your finger, like you get this blood and this gunk. And it's funny because I loved I loved us sharing this with my youngest. It's just like, oh, it's blood. It's now leave it. Watch, watch, watch. That, that's there. And protect it. 
but it will heal itself. It's okay. I think the whole human, it's not just the body. So the mind, you know, actually is the same, same principles. It's like, actually, we can, we, we can sort our stuff out. We ha it, it's all in there. We've all got it in there inside ourselves. Um, it, just, it just needs like an invitation to kind of think differently. And then the key bit is talking, it comes out the mouth. You know, so if someone asks me that question yeah, and I'm coming out with the answer, it's like that answer, it's not for them asking the question. It's like me, me of the answer to my problem. That's the magic of it. It's lovely to have another person there acknowledge it and go, oh, wow, that's amazing. What else? What difference did that more? So it kind of goes back to what you were saying, saying earlier, like inside of ourselves, physically, all the mechanics are there for us to, to heal and get well. And um, I, I think, you know, mentally, psychologically, whatever word you want to use, spiritually, psychosocially, emotional, psycho-spiritually, psychosocially, I mean, there's all these words that, yeah, I know, it's like, oh, what is it? I don't know, whatever you want to call it. We also have a capacity to. Yeah, man. Let's, um, that's something we spoke about yesterday quite a lot. Let's talk about meditation or, or, or mindfulness. What's, yeah. I guess, if, uh, well, I want to ask is like, what's your experience with meditation? Because it seems like you've got a very good perspective of how the world works. How does that relate to your experience of meditation? Gosh, here we are. I'm just, sorry, I'm back on the language thing. <laughs> <laughs> I might hear meditation and just like go, oh, woo, woo, hippie, hippie, you know, or for some people it's like meditation, it's the work of the devil. It's like, yeah, okay it's a word isn't it it means it can mean so many different things to so many people so that's my initial take on it is like you know okay so it, hey i know what i mean by meditation i'm not quite sure if answering your question i'm speaking to what you mean about it so i'm gonna use the word mindfulness it's another one of those words, isn't it? It's like, it's like one of those buzzwords like resilience and mental health and mindfulness all scattered and everybody going, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, how come everyone's going crazy then? If everyone's got an understanding of mental health and mindfulness, how come everyone is just really falling to pieces? <laughs> it's a good point. It's a very <laughs> good point. Like, yeah, it's because it hasn't, it hasn't landed. It's just like, it's, it's, we're sort of on our way. We're kind of moving forwards, but we're kind of not, not quite on point yet on this kind of journey. So, you know, what's, what's my experience? Just interested in meditation, like how back, 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 back along, because as an idea, it fitted my worldview, right? That, 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 was, that was it basically, you know, I fancied myself as some kind of spiritual warrior, psychic traveler, warrior at the gates of dawn and all that kind of stuff like you know young proto jedi or something like, like how bloody deluded could you get so meditation came in with the right clothes it's like yeah i'll have a slice of that yeah meditation that's really cool i'll do meditation and so off i trundled you know there was some guru and everybody was chasing this guru it's like right i'll be in that gang right that's the guru to go for and off i off i proddle techniques of meditation 
and I still know what they are to this day. There's four of them. You got to do each one 50, 15 minutes a day. That's an hour out of my day doing meditation. You must be joking. Like, seriously, I've got time for this. There's drugs to be taking, right? There's just like pain to be run away from. There's just like hell to be raised. It's like, you know, but I know how to meditate. Okay, so knowing how to meditate, no use to anybody. <laughs> Basically, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, right. So it was a few more years when, you know, I'd really realized, oh God, I'm really screwed. I'm really screwed. I've run out of road. I need help. You know, that some humility kicked in, some kind of, I don't know, teachability, some kind of genuine curiosity. Okay, what is this thing? What is this meditation thing? And slowing down and just like, okay, let's go discover. And so I kind of, I explored various methods, techniques, disciplines, traditions, whatever you like. And I found one that I get on with. And um, I think that's my takeaway. It's like meditation. It's like, you know, it's not like learning how to drive a car. Like learning how to drive a car is learning how to drive a car, right? Mirror, signal, maneuver, you know, clutch, gears, lift the clutch slowly, blah, 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 blah. There's your technique for driving a car. Meditation is not quite like that. There isn't like one technique of meditation and you've nailed it. It's like for each person, there'll be a different technique that they'll get on with. So if a person says, yeah, I learned to meditate, it was shit, it doesn't work. It's like, okay, that wasn't the technique for you. Keep looking. There, there will be one for you. Part, part, of, part of getting, getting along with meditation is the journey to kind of find the, finding the one that fits for, for you as an individual. Um, does that does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, it's self discovery, self discovery, in, in almost like a trial and error. Like try it, see if it works for you. Try some yeah. some different methods. Yeah. You know what? Yes. yes. Okay, something that that's a, I'd say an easier question to ask and less subjective. What happens in the brain when someone meditates? Oh, right. So. <laughs> There are certain bits of the brain that um, researchers have discovered are particularly active when people are meditating. And people who meditate regularly, um, those bits of the brain are kind of a different shape to those people um, who don't meditate. And it's the bits of the brain that, surprise, surprise, are associated with reflecting on self. So um, remember when you were a teenager, part of the, de the deal of being a teenager is like being incredibly self-conscious. It's just like, it's a thing, right? And my youngest, it's just, it's just started, I've noticed. And that's, so in teenagers, oh, what is that bit of the brain? See, I'm no neuroscientist, so I don't know, I don't know what it's called. Uh, is it the frontal? No, I'm not Pref even going to I want to say prefrontal cortex, but I don't know if it is. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll it's Google definitely it. up here. It's up here at the front. So around this bit here, it's the top bit of the brain and it's at the front and it's back a bit. Oh yeah, he's going, he's going to Google the thing. I'm, yeah, when I'm Googling it. See on Joe Rogan podcast, they have someone doing this. I'm just not quite there yet. It's, it's called the prefrontal <laughs> cortex. Prefrontal yeah, cortex, a bit at the start. Okay. Yeah, there you go. So in teenagers, it's particularly active. 
okay and it's that same bit of the brain that is kind of active in meditators and grows and develops really strongly in meditators and why do i say surprise surprise well because really whatever the technique or the discipline of meditation it's very much about being in the moment in time that you happen to be in at that particular point in time practicing being there not out there in the future or back there in the past which is where we seem to spend a lot of our time you know what am i going to do what's going to happen next how am i going to how am i going to what are they going to how's it going to blah 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 oh i wish i hadn't if only they didn't oh i could have or wow i back then it's like yeah okay that's all right it's like the, the one is history the other is fantasy meanwhile the real gig is happening now and that's the bit that we miss and that's my understanding of meditation whatever the technique whatever the discipline whatever the tradition the kind of practice is there to help us show up for the gig now the band's on now it's like don't worry about next week or last week it's like it's showtime now live show up or not what happens if people that, don't look at the world that tell me more that's it just look at the world that's a mess right it's a yeah. mess I mean, <laughs> just I, like I'm in agreement. Yeah, yeah it's just like look at the world what okay where, do, where should we start okay we could start with the stuff that was there that i noticed when i was six or seven which was kind of part of my journey into you know just falling off the edge and into the dark side was i was completely aware that there was lots of bad things happening in the world i so i i grew up in the 60s and there was uh i don't know biafra for example and i can remember on the news seeing pictures of humans that didn't look like any humans i'd ever seen in my real world like skeletons basically they were alive but i can just remember just being like wait what's that and i could see it was like okay they're people and there's something and flies and everything but the adults around me were like no you don't want to worry about that no nothing you can do about that no that's just life <laughs> okay so i kind of at that point was really discouraged from looking at what's going in the world that's actually really problematic um and i think that's pretty much all of us it's like you know we're just somehow we're just taught really well just to tune out all of that stuff and just be very much concerned with what we were saying earlier like make sure you go for the good stuff really really avoid the bad stuff this is your mission in life achieve get stuff get married have kids have a job make money make sure you look good really make sure you don't look bad make sure you're right especially don't on social media <laughs> oh, listen i was a bit bricking it today like oh my god what if i sound rubbish what will people think it's all there alive and kicking yada 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 what if i talk nonsense what do people think i'm a complete tosser like honestly just like oh shut up self-sabotage isn't it it's so it's, it's such a natural part of our brain as well and yeah. i think it is just yeah, bringing yeah. it back to that taking it into perspective and going like that doesn't just because i'm having these thoughts doesn't make them doesn't make them real it's only when we start to to give them power that it can sort of you know i guess the word be like manifest itself or bring it into fruition to be real but like yeah. if you just kind of say that's okay and, and and like with with thoughts they come and go and i think that's where the 
what I'd call meditational mindfulness comes in to be able to bring yourself back to the present to stop them worrying about the the past or, or whatever's in the future yeah. as well because those things yeah. don't exist you know yeah. the only thing that we have is the present moment like me and yeah. you Fred talking right now is is yeah. the only thing in our lives right now in, in this present moment people listening to this you know this is this is it this is life right now in this moment yeah whatever you're thinking about for having dinner tonight that doesn't matter until you're actually there and I think that for me once I started to, to realize that and for me I, I think it helped meditating you know 20 minutes in the morning 20 minutes in the evening and it was almost just like that anger that brings you back to baseline yeah back to like okay i'm back to to being present now yeah, yeah. it doesn't last all day but as and when i started trailing off i was able to like i was able to notice it i was able to yeah, notice when i wasn't starting being that. present and that's only yes. because i'd gone I, i'd gone back to the baseline at the start and finish of every day and, and I think and that, that for me is, is powerful learning. So that, that Adam is like the common factor across the traditions of meditation that I came across. It was a it was like, I think it's the key common factor across all of them is like, you're given this thing to do or to, or to say in your mind, like a mantra or something. So you're given this thing to do and then you do it. And then the key is to notice, catch yourself not doing it. The key skill is to notice, oh, I'm thinking about, I'm worrying about. And then the extra bonus key skill is to do that without any kind of judgment, without, oh, bloody hell, I'm such a shit meditator. I'm really crap at this. Or even better, oh, notice that as well. It's about noticing. It's, it's the key bit. It's about noticing and not having any like emotional charge to it, just being able to notice. And why is that a really important skill? From my perspective, that's a really important skill so that if I'm going to intervene, yeah, then I'm more likely to intervene in a way that's helpful because I'm not intervening with some kind of agenda, you know? So I'm feeling bad, I'm gonna intervene because I'm gonna intervene because it'll make, stop me from feeling bad because I can tell myself I, I did something. And whether the thing that I did was actually the thing that needed doing is not the point. I just tried to do something and yay, I felt better. Yeah, and it's like, no, 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 no. It's like, it's, it's, it's not that at all. It's like being able to be with that. Oh, I, oh I've stopped meditating, right, I'll come back now. I wanted to go back to your question I ran about the world because I was saying, look at the world, you went, tell me more, you know, and I went on a ramble about what I noticed as a kid. So I wanted to come back to that. So I think it's really, really important, Adam. It's really, really important that unless we humans can really look at just the bad news that's happening around the world and acknowledge that, we're really, really unlikely to do anything useful about it. And so, you know, so the phenomenon of how do people end up in a dinghy in the middle of the Mediterranean and the whole world isn't just like really getting behind them and going, no, this shit can't happen. <laughs> this shit needs to stop happening now. Yeah, it hasn't stopped happening. I saw those images on the TV when I was a kid and I see different versions of the same thing now as an adult, only more of it. 
So that's what I mean about, you know, when you said to me, what happens when people aren't present? Have a look at the world. That's kind of what I mean. Is like, the, you know, the, the world is not in great shape. There's lots of amazing stuff happening. There's loads of wonderful humans doing wonderful things. But I do believe we're in a spot of bother, actually. <laughs> I do, yeah, I do believe that we are in a spot of bother. And climate scientists seem to be, seem to be bearing that out. Um, if you have a if you have a look at the research on the mental health of climate scientists, blimey, that's really really sobering. It's oh, like really? they are, yeah, like wow. really, yes, yes. These are people on the front line of what's going down on our planet. It's their job, right? And they're seeing it in real time, and they're talking to each other about it. And you know they've got kids they've got lives they've got communities they've got families they're you know they're joining the dots and they're going me gods they're going <laughs> fuck they're going shit or basically what is yeah yeah basically it's sobering isn't it yeah it's it's incredibly sobering and um on the one hand and then on the other hand it's an opportunity to do that first thing remember oh i'm fucked <laughs> That's that, that is that first movement just to acknowledging that it's like, okay, I don't got this at all. For us to be able to say, oh my God, we haven't got this at all, right? That's like, oh, great. Okay, now it's game on. Yeah, accept yeah. it, surrender to it. And then, and then okay, so what do, we, what do we do now? Okay, now we got that. Okay, so what's next? But it's like, there seems to be like, a con, I don't know, just like a concerted, all hands on deck effort to no 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 don't look at that don't look at that don't think about that think about this over here look at that over there like we're bombarded con constantly with a cacophony of noise from that that is kind of masquerading as news that's not news <laughs> sorry it's not what i you know if i want to know what the news is i i'll talk to my family it's like how are you doing i'll talk to my neighbor how are you doing how are things going that's news because it's here and it's local and it's around me not the I don't care about what's happening in other parts of the world. Of course I care what's happening in other parts of the world, but I really don't need to be pinned to the floor with someone's yeah, knee on my chest, shoveling this stuff down my throat. So thus that I feel kind of completely helpless and overwhelmed. So yeah, I'll buy this one click Amazon. Oh, I feel better now. Instant and, then it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then it arrives and it's like, you know, I open it. Great. I got it. Right. What's next? The actual, the actual buzz is not in receiving the thing. The actual buzz is in, is in the shopping for the thing. It's in the, you know, it's in the kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, ah. Do you do eBay? Have you bid on stuff on eBay? More, I'm more of an Amazon guy, if I'm honest. Uh, okay. well, I'm going <laughs> to I mean, I try not to buy on Amazon, but I, like, I it's, share it's the go-to right? over eBay. It's um, bidding on eBay. I just had to stop. I kind of noticed just what was happening in my body before I pressed the bid button as the seconds were counting down, right? And then, you know, the kind of the latest bid is there and I'm counting the clock and it's down like in the last five seconds, I'm gonna outbid this, you know, and I press bid, <laughs> yeah? It's like that feeling is just like, wow. <laughs> but what's really interesting is that if I press bid, and the message comes out, you have been outbid, 
then where I go is like, who's that? I'm going to hunt them down. <laughs> I'm going to find them. I'm going to kill them and all their family. Like this huge rage and frustration. It's like, what the bloody hell is that? What am I doing this for? You know, hover, hover, <laughs> excitement, excitement. Like, what? That's crazy. That's really, really crazy. I make it now when I look at that, when I look at myself doing that behavior, it's like, yeah, well, I was a bit unhinged then, actually. And yet it seems to be just fine. It's just what it's just what loads of people do. Bid for stuff on Amazon. Yeah, it does have its joys. And I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? Really? It's kind of it's got its joys. But I've kind of really realizing, you know, the kind of joys I like are the joys that don't cost me any money at all. Mm. The kind of joys that are just parading themselves in front of me constantly like this moment right now chatting with you is lovely. It's really, really lovely. I could do this for hours, man. I could listen to you for hours. And, and, and I could listen to you. It's like this moment here. It's like, this is, this is marvellous. And I hope for the listener, they're like, ah. And if they're not, switch off. <laughs> Stop listening. Don't sit there going, what the hell is this idiot talking about? For God's sake, God, they're a pair of narcissistic yada, yada, yada. It's like, cool. Do something else. Just switch off and go and do something that brings you joy. If this isn't bringing you joy, you know that. Just be present to something else. Be more of what makes you happy and less of what makes you unhappy. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, there's very little, you know, there's very, very little that I've, I've learned, very little I actually need to do to make myself happy. So, you know, like, I've got this kind of little uh, checklist that I use. If I'm, you know, if, if I'm kind of on point, okay, um, and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, yeah, if I'm on point, and I catch myself being in a really bad place to, to sit myself down. And it's like a little check, checklist. Is my heart beating? Yes. Tick. Happy days. Am I breathing? Yes. Tick. Happy days. When I breathe in, am I getting enough oxygen? Yes. Tick. Happy days. Okay. Uh, have I got a house to live in? Yes. Tick. Happy days. Is someone going to bomb it, take it from me, invade it, burn it or anything? No. Tick. Happy days. Food in the cupboard? Yes. Tick. Happy days. When the food's gone, have I got the wherewithal to get some more? Yes. Tick. You follow me? It's yeah. like I'm not actually doing anything to make myself happy. I'm just... It's gratitude, like, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 I think that's how you describe it or how I describe it. It's just yeah. been grateful. I think that that for me, when I started practicing gratitude, I'd love to say I do it every day, but I don't. But when I do start doing it, you know, I lie in bed, whether that's a journal, I just lie in bed, summarize the day and pick out three things that I've been grateful for. It's quite nice just to actually end the day with a, almost like a, a mental debrief of, right, I woke up, I felt X, Y, Z, I went to, I went to work, I did, you know, I ate this for lunch, I came back, but then I start to pick out like one or two things that I was grateful for. I noticed that the more I did that, so maybe like five, six days in, I started to notice that randomly throughout the day, I'd just start smiling. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, why am, why am I smiling right now? And I'd look around my room or I'd look at the bushes, the trees on my walk home and I'd just start smiling. And I'd be like, what the fuck is this feeling? And I noticed that was gratitude. My, my brain, because I'd, I'd practiced it, it just started then popping up like it was like yeah. a muscle. The more you work it, the more it comes back. And I yeah. just have this moment. And I was literally grinning. 
And I was like, why the fuck am I grinning? And then I was like, holy shit. Like, I, I recognize this feeling. That's gratitude. Yeah. And I was like, shit. Yeah. I need to do that more often. I, like, yeah. that, that's, that's a good feeling, like being grateful. And I wasn't even grateful for anything specific. It was just the moment. Yeah. I was just grateful for the moment. And I wish I could try and replicate that. And then I say, oh, I wish I could. I probably can if I can start practicing yeah. gratitude more. Like yeah. I said, I wish I did it every day. But like, you know, we're, we're all working on these things. But fuck me, man. Gratitude is, is so important. Totally. So go back to earlier in our conversation when I was talking about resources and you were saying like, what resources? What do you mean by resources? You know, and I kind of skirted around a little bit. You know, I thought, no, I think the answer to that question will pop up in the conversation later. Mm. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure of it. It's okay, I don't need to answer that question fully now. That's the answer to the question there. That, what I mean by resources, you, your capacity for gratitude, I'm, I would guess, could be, or actually is, a resource for you. Yeah, when you're kind of emotionally challenged or when life is doing its jolly, you know, shit will happen thing, when it's delivering on its promise for shit to happen and some, your capacity for gratitude can be a resource. So that's what I mean by, and the, and the thing about that is that that is kind of like hardwired into your brain now. So it's become a trait for you. It's, 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 you're, you're on your way to be just becoming part of who you are to be able to just go, wow, this is really, really amazing. And, um, and, and I agree, it's, it's just like, I'm, I'm practicing and practicing and practicing on the kind of wiring in my brain, because I do believe the more, what are they saying? Neurons that fire together, wire together. Hmm. I think the more I practice just cultivating my, my gratitude, it'll, that wiring, Will become myelinated and strengthened it'll be become part of my personality it's like i'm i can kind of dial up gratitude when i need to dial it up and um i can certain it comes a lot more easily now than it used to i may i was an olympic gold medal standard whinger once upon a time just like oh my god now is the glass half empty or half full what fucking glass what shit glass, yeah uh, yeah <laughs> just like yeah just what you're talking about just like <laughs> yes so gratitude yes so what what did i what did i mean by resources that's an example there yeah i love that you we spoke yesterday and you put the phrase out that uh, we put the phrase out of hope and that the brain is a biology uh, for hope tell me more fred tell uh, me more what what is neuro, what is the biology uh, of hope the, neuroplasticity the biology of hope just like just that really it's you know when i was saying earlier about like the, the this idea that the brain is this living organic sculpture my brain is a living organic sculpture of my my life experiences and it's a work in progress so it's not like life sculpted my brain and there it is and that's the shape my brain is now because because we're so nervous systems are basically programmed to learn and that's what that's what it's there for the whole shebang is there for learning you know and when learning happens you get these neurons connect and you get these synapses and that's that's you know you get these kind of, uh, kind of signals electrochemical signals passing across that's what thinking is that's what's going on up there so neuroplasticity is the way the way new neural pathways can be grown and cultivated 
all the way down the line until we die. So that's what I mean by the biology of hope. It's like, you know, you can have a bunch of really, really rubbish life experiences and it's all up there in your neural pathways and stuff, but it's not game over. That's the key piece. It's like, it's really not game over. You can really, really participate in sculpting that neural network up there so that you can kind of grow those resources inside yourself in the face of just incredible adversity. So off the top of my head, let's go back to this guy that, um, that I met from Syria, okay? And I asked, so he, you know, I'd read this story. Of, so he was, his family, used, they, they, had P, they did PA systems and stuff like that, kind of gigs and bands and stuff, but they also did PA systems for political rallies. That was their problem. Uh, under the eye of the, the Syrian secret police, his dad was taken and disappeared and his brother disappeared and he ended up being taken and he ended up being tortured towards an addiction of his life and then sent to hospital. And the plan was once he was recovered enough to go back for some more torturing. God almighty, can you believe this? Like seriously. And he told me this story of, the, of this nurse who, who helped him basically, who just, she did what she did. And then well, as soon as he was physic physically capable, she said, right, come on. And he climbed out through out the bathroom window and then off he went on his journey. And I asked him like, like what, what, what key, you know, why, like how did you manage to get, when the nurse was kind of doing this stuff, how, how did that work? Why did you give up? Why did you give up? How, how come? Like, what is it? And he just said this amazing thing. My dad would want me to prevail. That's what kept him going. His dad would want him to prevail so he would prevail. He would just bloody well keep going. Just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. So through all of that process, his brain was being shaped and he's arrived over here. And now he's just, gosh, all these years later, I bumped into him um, working somewhere locally and uh, had a job, had a bunch of friends, had a partner, lovely smile on his face, really happy, just like, and that picture there will have looked very different to the picture of the same person lying in a hospital bed post-torture right? It's the same person. But I can tell you, his brain is a completely different shape. How he experiences himself today is totally different because of neuroplasticity, because as he's gone through all of this stuff, his experience of himself, his story of himself has all been constantly rewritten and rewired, all constantly, constantly, constantly. And there he is, happy, got a job, got a partner, got friends, just lives around the corner from me. And what's so humbling is like, whenever I go to buy what there is to be bought, he will, he just doesn't want to take my money. And it breaks my heart. <laughs> just like me. Take the money. <laughs> he looks at me and says, thank you. It's just like, he looks at me and you know, and it's just like, mate, no, it's okay. Seriously, there, there, was, there, there was nothing else to be done. I've done no thing here. Yeah, man, but, that's, that's I, and nice. I can't even get my head around it. It's like, just like, oh, you know, just like, seriously, I don't need it. I, I, it's, and of course, I have to be gracious. It's like, I have to say thank you. 
this life because that makes him happy. That's his way of saying thanks for what you did. It's just, okay, okay, you're welcome. But I really struggle with that. Actually, I'm feeling it now. I still struggle with it. It's like, no, I just did what I saw to be the right thing at the time. It's yeah, like no gratitude needed. But on my part, but on his part, it is. And that's fine. I need to be respectful of that. Sure. Yeah, so Fred rambled I... off on the biology <laughs> hope. No, that, that's point, fine. Hopefully the point was made there. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Oh, I'll tell you what, Fred, I could, I could chat to you for hours. I could listen to your stories and how well you, you articulate things, but like in such simple form. And for me, like it's easy then to resonate with the information and understand that. And, you know, those neuro pathways in my brain then are starting to make new connections. And I hope that is for listeners as well. What's, um, you know, I guess we can't yeah. ramble on forever, but like to, as a final question, like what's the, the best advice that you've been given or that you would like to give to someone? Gosh, I have been given, God, that is such a great question. Do you know what? I actually don't know. There was like, I kind of, in that particular moment, I was kind of scrabbling around for something profound and deep and erudite and all the rest of it. And it was like, just be authentic i actually don't know what the best advice i've been given is there isn't it's like every everything that's being gifted to me by other human beings it's like there isn't like a rating ladder or anything like every sink they all have equal status as gifts to me on my journey and i suppose that's what that's what my advice would be it's just like be open to be open to the gifts that other other humans can bring to you because in truth, I do actually feel that underneath it all, we all yearn to be connected to each other. We all yearn to contribute to each other. We all learn to be contributed to. And that's my experience. It's like, you know, when the people, for the people who helped me, I kind of look back and it's like, they helped themselves through helping me because I know when I'm helping someone else, when I'm truly being helpful, I get something too. It's a kind of, two, it's a two way street. Okay, there is a little tale I'll tell you. So I was in um, a Gestalt psychotherapy group, um, you know, as a, as, a, as a client, and there was someone else in the group um, who became one of my teachers. Um, Medicine Jenny, I called her. She was really, really into um, shamanism and, all, all that stuff that loads of people would put in a nah, new age box kind of stuff. It's like, no, 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 no. Just like, just a really extraordinary woman. And one time in the group, she said something to me that was, you know, you could put under the, under the, the title of paid me a compliment. Okay. Um, so she said something to me about her experience of me. That was a positive thing. All right. And um, I, I batted it away, basically. I just batted it away. And I, I don't know, I just said, oh, no, you got the wrong person or something in a jokey kind of way. And she looked at me and she just said, how dare you? I was like, well, what? You know, as an inveterate people pleaser, <laughs> I had just clearly not pleased someone. You know, I got, I got all panicky. It's like, well, she said, well, I have just, I have just told you my truth about you as I see it 
and you're just kind of questioning my truth. I have just given you a heart gift and you've done the equivalent of someone giving you a nice present and you just go, no, I don't want it and throwing it in the bin, you know? And how dare you treat yourself like that? <laughs> that last bit there, how dare you treat yourself like that? I thought, oh, oh wow. Okay. Oh, wow. She was, she was more committed to me than I was. And I think that's the theme around people who've been helpful to really helpful to me along the way. It's basically people who were more committed to me than I was. And I think that's, that's pretty much what it is when someone's on their knees and not able to be on their own side because they're just on their knees. Sometimes it takes someone to step in and to be on their side for them for a bit and then to hand over the reins again. Yeah, well, that makes fucking being that a makes, human, doesn't it? It's just, it's just humility. It's just fucking, we're people at the end of the day, man. All people at the end, you know, that all these trifles, nobody gets out of here alive. It's just, that not that the truth? We're all, we're all humans, you know? No, we're not in the same boat. We're in the same storm. Definitely in the same storm. Some people are on luxury cruise liners and some people are in inflatable dinghies. But the people on the luxury cruise line liners don't realise they're in a storm. They're the ones I kind of have a bit of compassion for, actually, because like, OK, you're just pretending that there's no storm. But just think Titanic, luxury cruise liner didn't end well. Didn't end well at all. <laughs> so just the story, the go, go somewhere hot and there's no icebergs. <laughs> <laughs> something, something, along, something along those lines. But my latest, my, my kind of my latest thing, though, like teacher, is this this book Merlin Sheldrake? I have to squeeze this this in. Yeah, let's go. As, go. I, as as I as I was kind of getting myself together, come and talk. It was like I really, 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 really need to squeeze this in because this book has so completely, really done my head in in a really good way. Merlin Sheldrake, <laughs> Entangled Life. Merlin has made the study of mushrooms and fungi his life's work. Like he's totally obsessed with them, and when. When, I, when you read the book, you'll see why. Um, basically, he's come across a species of, of fungus that hunts nematode worms. Like, hang on a minute, plants don't do hunting. I mean, you've got Venus flytraps. They sit there open, you know, and then something lands and they clam shut. That's not hunting, right? That's just sitting there waiting for lunch to arrive. Hunting requires strategizing. Hunting requires changing strategy when the prey does something unanticipated. This is what this fungus does. And what he says really, really boldly is something along the lines of human beings, we see intelligence as, fun as a function of having a brain and a nervous system. And his study of fungi has shown him that actually outside of our human-centered view of life and everything, there is actually intelligence that's nothing to do with having a brain and a nervous system. Imagine that. That's like out of a horror film, being hunted by a mushroom. It's like, what? Ah, but just, the intelligence piece is beautiful. Just, isn't that extraordinary? And literally today, um, someone sent me an article around trees communicating with each other. Just like, wait, what? You're having a laugh, right? And I read this article you know, and this tree scientist expert person has laid it all out about how this works. It's like, oh, well, that's just completely changed the game for me completely about this thing about, uh, you know, there's like this hierarchy of intelligence 
So at the bottom of the pile is stones. Yeah. And then you get this hierarchy. You've got stones and then you've got little critters and you kind of go up and then you get, you know, and then you get our kind of cousins, you know, the kind of apes and the chimpanzees and they're kind of quite bright. You know, and we grant them, you know, we grant them this kind of gift of intelligence. And then right at the top, there's us lot. Yeah. Homo Colossus, super intelligent, super clever. Look at the world. <laughs> How clever are we exactly? Sorry. Do you want to run that past me again? We're really intelligent, are we? OK, look at the world. Who did all of that? No, that wasn't nematode worms or fungi or wood lice or critters. That was human beings did that. Not very really clever, is it, really? No, I so, love your I love your perspective on life. Thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm, it's the only one I got at the moment. Unfortunately, I'm bloody I'm stuck with a bloody thing. Well, I suppose it's that thing about just being really open, Adam. You know, just be, I'm really lucky, really blessed in that the work that I'm doing, you know, in 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 the educational field means I need to be open to new information. It's like students don't want want me vomiting up the same old crud every year it's like i need to st stay ahead of everything it's and it's great kind of going off and finding stuff miles off the reading list you know if, it's funny my when i did my training my teacher tom Keane, i asked him about the reading list on the very first day of the training i said okay what's the reading list and he came out with this real gem he said there's no reading list for now fred just read but avoid all books with the words psychiatric and nursing in them read poetry read literature that's advice actually that was a bit of advice that was a real gift just avoid all of those techno books about psychiatric and nursing and mental health read poetry and read literature and sit under a tree and marvel at the shape of a dandelion just like you might experience the world yeah you might have been a bit of a hippie i suspect but that kind of being able to kind of go off off the reading list and find stuff and then come to students and go, bloody hell, look what I found. There's this bloke, Louis Cozzolino, who describes the brain as a live organic sculpture being created as you lived your life. Boom. And then watching people's faces like, what? I know. It's lovely. It's I'm just like so blessed in so many ways. I can't I don't even know where to start. That's just one little corner of my world. You know, so my perspective is like it's it's gifted to me by you know by my job really. Just like you'll have you'll have caught me last year talking about my job. I wouldn't be talking like this about it at all. I'd be ranting and raving and you know Rah! actually take a step back. I'm just really lucky to have the job that I've got the life that I've got, the people that are around me, you know, this conversation, like, you know, a random WhatsApp message from this person, just like, you know, Eden has said this, you know, should we talk? Yeah. This past, and I mean, how long is It's it not been? even this conversation. The conversation we had last night was, was amazing. And I felt, I felt like we could talk for hours, but... Fred, if there's people that are listening and they want to connect with you, they want to find out more about you, what's the best way that they can get in touch? Oh, blimey. Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, what's the best way they can get in touch? Fredkeys at gmail.com. 
nice and simple. I like that. I like that. Yeah, and we've also, I, and you know, let, let's create some some uh, accountability there. We we were talking yesterday of, of uh, Fred potentially setting up a, a podcast called the Ramble On Podcast. So Ramble I'm putting out on. some accountability for people to hear this now. So there's there's going to be some more movement on that. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks or so. Oh, <laughs> He's got yeah, a big okay. smile on his face now. Yeah, I love it. I've just I've just I literally <laughs> metaphorically feel my hand being kind of shoved up. <laughs> back and that's like come on sunshine we're going this way yeah thank you adam yes you know it's yeah yeah a podcast so keep your eyes peeled listener if you kind of really enjoyed listening to anything that came pouring out the <laughs> then um th- there'll be more it'll be called ramble on and um watch this space but in the meantime you know if you want to get in touch you want to say something or ask something or just if you want to have a ramble fredkeys at gmail.com really simple I feel like I should have a website and an Instagram account. Yeah, and, well, we, 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 can get it all, we can get it all set up. I'm sure there's listeners out there that will help set it up as well, man. Like, people like to contribute. People like to give back. Yes. Good, give them the opportunity. But Fred, I fucking hell, man, I could speak to you for hours. Fred, so grateful to have met you. So grateful for this conversation. And thank you for coming on, man. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Adam, for just giving me, giving me the airspace. It's just like, yeah, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for extending the invitation. There were some great questions in there. Really, really lovely questions. So really, yeah, thank you so much. If you have enjoyed today's episode, then please like, subscribe and leave a comment because this helps the podcast gain exposure and I will be forever grateful. Also, head to the Instagram page at Purposeful Pursuit Podcast to hear episode extracts, see behind the scenes and join others in their pursuit for purpose. Finally, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Purposeful Pursuit Podcast with your host, Adam Williams. The Purposeful Pursuit Podcast. The Purposeful Pursuit Podcast. The Purposeful Pursuit.